What's up, Bobcats, and everybody else that is listening to this podcast? We're back for a second episode, A Community of Culture, The Black Perspective. As always, I have Imani McGarrell with me and Brandon Sams. How are you guys doing today? Good. I'm um, good. I'm great. Hey. No, they always start off like this. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know why. It's just... If you get them privately, they'll talk, but... What are we supposed to say? I can't say too much right now. Oh, okay. So so just Just preview. We're ready to get to the topic. Oh, okay. Ready to get to the topic. Okay, well, since Imani is ready to get to the topic, (laughs) we're going to start off with hers. Uh, Imani wrote a column about black representation in media and how it must be diversified. Explain yourself, young lady. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so basically the topic of my column was just about black media representation and how, um, you know, there's certain stereotypes that you always see black people on TV, you know, whether it's, um, whenever I was writing this, I kept thinking about that SNL, Carrie, Carrie Washington being on that episode of SNL, you know, because it's just like, it was funny and they did kind of like a parody of how they had no black actresses yeah. and you had to keep running out to play everyone, but you know, that's like how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I talked about that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's disproportionate, you know, to the diversity of the black culture mm-hmm. c- compared to what's being shown on TV. Yeah, and so. I think that, <coughs> like you said, they all show the same stereotypes. It's either, like, these negative stereotypes of black people or it's this kind of model minority where they're just, like, the most outstanding person, graduate top of their class, doctor, and those things do exist. But there's no nuance. They're not multidimensional like the white characters generally are mm-hmm. in a lot of movies and TV shows that yeah. I've watched. Yeah, I agree. I think stereotypes is definitely the biggest issue here. Uh, stereotypes and, and kind of a, a white man's media trying to portray uh, the black culture. Mm-hmm. I think that's the other big issue. But with the stereotypes, it's it's either or. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, it's 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 one end of the spectrum or the other end. Uh, you're either a criminal, a thug, a thief, uh, so someone who's creating mischief, or you're a doctor or a lawyer. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, Always. black people can't be normal. Yeah. You know, it's like we, we it's either or. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's interesting. You know, you, uh, Imani, you, you allude to Sister Sister, The Cosby Show, Living Single, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Martin, Family <laughs> Matters. These shows, you know, they do show upstanding black citizens. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, rarely do you see uh, any of these shows where they're doing something that's bad or, or criminal, criminally um, motivated or anything like that. Uh, the Cosby Show is the biggest example of them all. I think, you know, you have Bill Cosby who's the dad, and then you have... Uh, Claire Huxtable, who's the lawyer mom, and then yeah. I believe was it five kids. Um, their uh, yeah. yeah, their their <laughs> lives are like perfect, and it's like that's not where we grew up. Mm-hmm. Like you know, that's not true. And and you know, I, I guess they were trying to break the mold at that time, but right now it seems like that mold's not being broken. Yeah. Um, also, I think part of that has to do with you know the whole write what you know thing, and because yeah. I've read articles, you know, and people will be like, oh, well, you know, these, like, for example, with Tyler Perry, his Medea character, you know, that was based off of a person in his real life, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just one aspect of it. And I think part of the issue is that people aren't writing about, you know, maybe they don't have enough black people in their lives that are dimensional, but, you know, an easy way to fix it is if more, you know, black people started writing. And, you know, I, I know they're out there, but it's a much smaller 
pool of people. Yeah. Yeah. Than the mainstream, you know, <clears throat> entertainment. Yeah, and I know that Tyler Perry and other black filmmakers have, um, when given interviews, they always discuss how uh, the corporate office of the various like conglomerates that make up the film industry always say how black doesn't sell or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's why they don't venture off into that market. But especially last year with <clears throat> the Butler and Best Man Holiday and Fruitville Station, all these things where they were huge successes. Um, and they showed multidimensional black characters that kind of shows that, okay, clearly they do sell. Y'all just aren't doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. That would make black people and universal audiences in general go to see that particular film or television show. Because, like, the Real High Size of Atlanta, even though that's a Nene. whole nother. <laughs> I love Nene. that show. <laughs> yeah. But, but Nene is her alter ego. Though. Oh, yeah. It? Yeah. Well, we... Uh, we Mm-hmm. But anyway, some of my <laughs> friends, that's what we like to say. Like, um, like, that's the most successful, what is it, franchise of Real Housewives. So yeah. clearly there's a market there now that has their own problems mm-hmm. that we're not going to discuss here. But clearly it sells to a degree. Yeah, we'll we'll discuss that in in a future episode. Yes. Trust me. Uh, but yeah, and I and you know, black doesn't sell. That's funny. Well, when you put them in front of a Wheaties box, apparently it sells. When Nike put Tiger Woods in front of Nike, that sold. Michael mm-hmm. Jordan being in the Nike campaign, that that sold. So, you know, it, yeah. it's just interesting to me how some people have their own, you know, thought process behind corporate America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate to say this, I don't think it's it's white corporate America. I just think that, you know, the men that are running these businesses yeah. are white men. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're trying to understand a culture and you're not asking questions, there's mm-hmm. a problem. My biggest thing is that we don't ask enough questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, If you want to learn about something, you have to ask. Mm-hmm. Stupid or not stupid, at least you know. Mm-hmm. You know, how are you ever going to know if you don't, if you're not if you're not being able to seek this knowledge. And I think that's been the biggest problem to me is that the reason why black people get portrayed a certain way in movies, um, in plays and stuff like that is because that enough questions are not being asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you we're in college. You know, we're here in college. We're getting our degrees. Clearly, our family did something right, right? Mm-hmm. Um you go into the hood, same thing in the hood. Everyone thinks that everyone in the hood grew up, oh, this is a thug. And we're going to talk about this later with the athletes. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Richard Sherman made made some waves, and he, he went to Stanford, graduated. Yeah. Uh, he's working on his master's right now. He grew up in Compton. Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't have to grow up in this privileged society to, uh, to be educated, to know what's going on, to understand what's going on. And it just it really upsets me that the media – portrays black people a certain way. And you think that in 2014 it'd get better. And I, I do think slowly but surely progress is being made, but at the same time, I don't think progress is being made enough. Mm-hmm. I think it comes down to, like you were saying, like these pervasive stereotypes of what black people are. Because let the media tell it, we're all poor, uneducated, lazy fools. But more than half of black Americans are middle class. Mm -hmm. But you see where the media is centered, Los Angeles and New York, the the dynamics of those two cities, they have a considerable, well, I don't know about L.A., but I know New York, like over 25% of the population is black. So when they go into these poor areas, quote-unquote, there's going to be a disproportionate amount of black people. 
But and you, if you look at the grand scale of America, more than half of African Americans are th- very well living middle class lives. We're not poor. And they try to market to us as if we're these degenerates living in quote unquote hoods or ghettos, and that's just not the reality. Um, I was gonna say, also, I just think it's interesting because, you know, they had all those shows like Martin and In Living Single, I mean, <laughs> In Living Color and Living Single, two different shows, sorry. Um, you know, and they, they portrayed all of these different aspects of life, but now it's like, you know, there's just this huge there's gap. No like, show. yeah, like, um, like I said in the column, you know, Carrie Washington is the first African American woman, female lead in 40 years in a network drama. And like, that's a long time. Like, <laughs> why? And it's just, it's interesting. I don't know. Because I, I, I've, am I, when I was looking up, um, you know, columns and stuff about this, uh, a lot of people were just like, oh, well, you know, there's not as many talented black actresses. And like, that's not true. That's not oh, true yes. at all. Yeah. And it's just, I think there's a, a divide between, you know, them wanting to get jobs and work and, you know, having to c- reconcile that with, like, ugh, this part isn't that great, it's one-dimensional, it's a stereotype, mm-hmm. but, you know, like, I think there's uh, a divide, I don't know. Yeah, and it comes back down to what Otis said, they, or I think you said it, sorry, I'm <laughs> <laughs> people mixed up. I'll take, I'll take credit. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, how they, they write from what they know, you said that, yeah. actually. <laughs> I'm still taking um, credit for it. Okay. <laughs> um, they like if you look at I know that Oprah had a special back in um over the summer where she did black women in Hollywood and she had yes. Felicia Rashad, Viola Davis, um who else was Gabrielle Gabby Union Amy. and uh who else was um, It was about like six there five was or four six. Of them. Four, was it? Who oh, darn, I forgot her name. She's coming in my mind. Sorry, lady. Um, but yeah, she had a, a kind of panel discussion with them, and they're talking about how there's just not roles, because they the the directors and people like that, or I guess I should say the writers, write from a perspective that they know. So they would have, you know, open casting calls, but they'd be like, "We're looking for white woman this tall, this age, and blah blah blah." So of course, black women who aren't who don't fit that aren't going to be called upon because mm-hmm. white women can play any role. And I know Gabrielle Union was talking about how when they would be like open to all ethnicities and she'd go there and they'd always be like, okay, if we, if we, if we decide to go black, then we'll call you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't, I w- would never hear of anything of some casting that we're talking about if we decide to go white, we'll call you mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway. Like, that doesn't happen. I w- I'm not an actress, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine that it doesn't go like that. Do you also think that it has to do with, I mean, you alluded to this, but even when you're picking a black woman, they have to have a certain type of image. For sure. Because I'm thinking of some of the black like Sanaya Lathan mm-hmm. and Gabrielle Union and Carrie Washington. You know, these, these ladies aren't just black, black ladies. Mm-hmm. These ladies are... You know they're fair skin. They they have the cheek. They took. I mean, Gabrielle Union. When you pamper her up a little bit, she's she's a little lighter than she's what got she. A glow. She's, yeah, she's, she's she's got a little Chocolate, glow though. She's, she's got, got a little glow. glow. Don't we all? Carrie, <laughs> Carrie Washington, same thing. She's got you know. 
Sanaya, now Sanaya Lathan, she's she she's chocolate. Yeah, she's she is. Lupita, she's blowing up right now. Uh, yeah, she's chalk. She's dark. See, so I think too. I think for a long time it was actually finding the right kind of black woman mm-hmm. as well. I know Viola Davis. She did a tremendous job in. Um, Oh, what is that movie called? The Help. The Help. Mm-hmm. I, I, that movie was that movie yeah, was awesome. I really great. enjoyed it. But uh, you know, I I think they look for a certain type of black woman too mm-hmm. as well. And I think now the mold is starting to get away from that and say, hey, if you're good enough to do this, then you know you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to be this sex item because to me, you know, to be honest with you, when you do look for a black actress, I think there's a certain sex symbol element to it. Definitely. Um, you know, it, I'm, I'm telling you, Sanaya, Carrie, uh, even Beyonce, mm-hmm. you know, it, sex sells. So, you know, they mm-hmm. want a sexy black woman, I guess, and, you know, I guess that's what society labels them as. Um, when you were talking about that made me think of uh, that movie they just did... Uh, the best man wedding, mm-hmm. um, and you holiday. know, yeah. How, did you see it? Best man holiday. Holiday. Yeah. You're right. Sorry. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, like they are all attractive, doing things with their life that's important. Like, you know, I don't feel like there's much of a space for regular. Yeah. You know, yeah. people. They're either, especially with women, they're you know they're talented, they're driven. They're in shape. They're beautiful. You know, it's just like all these criteria to check off. There's never really anyone that's just regular. You mm-hmm. know, so. Yeah. Also, um, Brandon, whenever you were talking about the casting call, that made me think of this. Isn't to do with black people, but um, in the Hunger Games, I love Jennifer Lawrence. But I was reading about this, and in the Hunger Games, um, in the uh. books. Katniss is described as olive skin, which is darker complexion than Jennifer Lawrence's naturally. And a lot of people were like, well, none, you know, there weren't any great actresses that were olive skin. But then it came out later that in the casting call, they specifically asked for, you know, lighter skin, yeah. like mm-hmm. white people. people. So I just, it's interesting, you know, I feel like it happens more than we realize. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the media not only talks about uh, or gets it wrong with, you know, general roles and with the black women, but they also get it wrong with black athletes as well. And that's mm-hmm. kind of our next topic. Um, you know, I wrote this column about black athletes, and I'm a sports editor here, and clearly it's going to be a little bit passionate coming from my side. But I do think that the media goes back to, hey, we're going to write about a culture we don't understand. Um, you know, I think black people, we talked about this uh, last week, they're expressive. We love to show our emotions. Uh, we love to be brash we're confident we exu- we exude that like that's that's us you know that's a culture we grow up in and i think sometimes uh, i think sometimes people take it the wrong way uh you know growing up trash talking was a thing you know if i was better than you i was better than you but it wasn't because i thought like as a human being i was better than you or i just thought that you know, you were just this terrible person, but it was just that I, that's what I truly believed. And that's, you know, that's the way you get out. And trash talking is something that I, you know, I grew up, I enjoyed. And it was nothing supposed to be personal. It was supposed to be something that was mental. Mm-hmm. Supposed to get in your head. It was supposed to be like some mind games that we were playing. But now I think the way people write about it is like, oh, this person trash talks so he must be a thug. And he grew up in the hood. And it's like, no, 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 no. And the, the biggest example that I saw recently, you know, this made national news, so everyone knows about this, but the cornerback from the Seattle Seahawks, Richard Sherman, uh, Compton grown, trash-talking, he loves it, you know, and, and he had a moment, um, 
you know, after the game, he just arguably made the best play in the National Football League. Uh, you know, he had a moment. He was excited. He was in there. Adrenaline was going. And, and you know, he was, you know, he let the world know he was the best. And, and I don't blame him for that. Now, personally, I probably wouldn't have done that. But that's his way. That's his style. But, uh, you know, he can go do that. Mind you, he grew, for, grew up in Compton, went to Stanford, and, and graduated with like a 3.7 GPA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? And he's working on his master's. Then we have white quarterbacks. And Tom Brady and I wrote this. And Tom Brady, I believe, this was a year, two years ago, was caught on the sidelines yelling at his coach, yelling at his coach. And, uh, you know, the way I grew up, you don't talk back to your coach. Or what your coach says goes. You know, you might not like it, but that's what's going to happen. And he's having a yelling match. Now, these are grown men, you know, that are getting paid, and the coaches are grown men as well. So I guess, you know, whatever you want to say about that. But he's yelling with his coach, and they're going back and forth. And I'm thinking back at what the media was saying about him. Well, he's very passionate. He has integrity, and he's intense, and he just wants to win so badly. And, you know, that just shows what type of competitor Tom Brady is. And I was like... So I was like, well, when T.O. does that, he is Terrell Owens, you know, played Roger C. When he does that, um, you're a little cocky guy that, you know, shouldn't be doing that on the field. But when Mr. Tom Brady here does it, very passionate for the game. And it just, it just makes me laugh over and over again, the double standard and the hypocrisy we see uh, with black athletes in, in the media. Um, also, I think with that – the thing, my whole thing with like the confidence, especially with black athletes, it's like people don't understand that like that confidence is necessary. Yeah. Like they're rooting for themselves, they're sticking up for themselves, they're their number one fan because no one else is going to, mm-hmm. you know, like that's necessary. Even if it's not real, you'll never know, you know, like they, it's necessary for them, you know, especially I think in those types of situations, there's always going to be someone you know, trying to bring you down, like, that confidence is necessary because otherwise it's not going to, you're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. My mom always told me you got to be twice as good and work twice as hard to get the same recognition mm-hmm. as, you know, people of a lighter complexion. Um, but uh, to go back to the Sherman thing, just recently in news, like, late last year with the Richie Incognito thing yeah. where he was, like, Oh, bullying, bullying this guy and calling him the N word and talking about raping his mother what? and calling him a, a the F word, gay what? gay term and all this stuff. No one called him. I, this is the only credit you'll ever hear me give to Bill O'Reilly. He called him a thug. He did say that, but no one else in the media on Twitter, no one's calling him a thug or anything like that. That's what a thug is. If you ask me, someone being passionate and giving. Now, granted, Richard Sherman was a bit, you know, in your <laughs> face and a bit loud. He had his moment. <laughs> yes, but he didn't use profanity. He didn't say anything mean or hurtful. He was just like, I'm the best. Uh, this is what's going to happen if you come at me with that weak stuff. Okay, that's fine. Twitter blew up. People call him the N-word, yeah. call him thug. The media the next day, I know that they did some kind of report where it showed that the word thug was used 600 more times, more than ever in the past several years or something like that. So it's just like, like you said, this double standard and hypocrisy is just boggling. For those of you that don't remember the Richie Incognito incident, Richie Incognito is a lineman for the Miami Dolphins, and he was bullying um, Jonathan Martin, who is a who is a uh, was a black 
athlete on the Miami Dolphins. He went to Stanford as well, and his nickname was the Big Weirdo or the Big Freak, and Rich Incognito was sending him text messages. Now there's been other stories that have came out, to be fair to Rich Incognito, that Jonathan Martin was doing the same thing back. But my thing, though, is that, you know, he is doing this to a guy in the locker room that it's not right. Another thing too is that I that you're absolutely right. That's being a thug as well. Is that you're trying to harm a person that you know feels like, hey, what did I do? Um, I don't understand what's going on, and and so that you know that turned into a little bit of a race thing. But I want to go back to the word thug because <laughs> that word's being used to replace clearly a word that is not conducive to society anymore Mm -hmm. that's my firm belief i think anytime someone wants to call someone a thug especially when you don't know the person if you don't know the person you call them a thug i wonder what else you're really trying to call them that's that's that you know that's my biggest thing on there and and i it's unfortunate and i think with black athletes it's it's on them a little bit because you have to be more responsible you know i think sometimes when you're a black athlete and you have so many baby mamas, you can't rem- you know, Antonio Cromartie, he was on a TV show, he couldn't remember his kids' names. That's how many kids he had. You have to be more responsible because this is not a this is not a show where we're just going to be like, "Oh, black people, yeah, yeah, yeah." We also know there's a responsibility of being black, and we'll talk about that in the future, but as an athlete, you have to be responsible no matter what. And if you're being black and you're doing that, People will pass judgment, and I think it's on them a little bit to be more responsible. But at the same time, I do think the media has to understand where some of these people come from, what their culture is, what their background is. Ask more questions. Um, in my column, I defended a guy that I used to adore, used to love, but you know, and, and it's not because of his infidelity with his marriage, but it's because he's trying to deny the black race, which is really, really ridiculous. But Tiger Woods, you know, when he he cheated on his wife. You know, he was in front of the tabloids over and over and over and over again, and this guy was getting persecuted like he committed a like he committed a crime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he didn't commit a crime at all. But a white quarterback in the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, who's won two Super Bowls, uh, you know, he plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers, so that's a storied franchise. You know, was accused of rape in Georgia and Nevada. Now, it'd be hard for two people. One being in Nevada and Georgia, call each other and say, hey, let's make this up about Ben Roethlisberger, but I'm not going to pass judgment. He was found not guilty in a court, you know, with his peers. But if you get accused of rape twice, <laughs> one on each coast, for some reason it's uncharacteristic. It's not, it's not normal for them. Mm-hmm. But for Tiger Woods, this is normal behavior or he's a sex addict. That just doesn't correlate to me. I think, to be fair, at least with Tiger Woods thing, first of all, he's Coblin Asian. Or so he says. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I mean, he had an affair with 15 different women. That's like a, like one woman came out and said, okay, Tiger Woods has an affair, two, three, four, five, up 15. That's going to make national <laughs> headlines. You cheat on your wife with 15 different people. And plus, who did you say? Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard that name in my life. <laughs> so it's like Tiger Woods is like this, his brand is worth over a billion dollars, and then Ben Roethlisberger is this person. So I think it's kind of like um, Tiger Woods has more of a, a, he's more famous, obviously, 
but but mm, I don't know. I think Ben Roethlisberger is. He's pretty famous. Um, I grew up in a football household. My mother is a football fanatic, so ESPN is always on. Go mama. Um, seriously. <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but, you know, so I've heard a lot of these names, and um, my dad is a huge golf fan, so we're all watching the Tiger Woods thing very carefully. I think – I don't know if – I think Tiger Woods is m- more famous – than Ben Roethlisberger because of this, but like sports-wise, I think they're pretty. You know, they're both well known in their respective field. Um, I mean, he did cheat a lot, you know. But my thing but, with Tiger though is that, and I and I tell this to everybody because Tiger, well, I used to love Tiger, and mm-hmm. I, right now he's not playing very well, so he's kind of taking me off. But a lot of those women he probably slept with before he was married as well. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that because I think it's easy to see a guy down and then you can kick him even more down by saying, hey, this because of all the women that are being accused or are accusing him or saying that he did this or whatever, I can see some sleeping with him before. Mm-hmm. And I can see some, I mean, clearly he admitted that he had, you know, cheated on his wife. But my thing, though, is that it's just... I understand Tiger is more, you know, he's well-known. First of all, black athlete dominating golf. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, it's a black man dominating a white man's sport, let's be honest. So you are going to get more recognition. Mm-hmm. I just think where it falls short in my eyes is that he didn't commit a crime or he wasn't yeah. accused of committing a crime. Mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger's won two Super Bowls. Of a franchise that's won the most Super Bowls in NFL history. So, he, you know, he does carry weight in the football community. And my thing that is that for Tiger, it was sex addiction. For Ben Roethlisberger, it was uncharacteristic. Mm-hmm. Why is it that when a black athlete messes up, it's part of their character? Mm-hmm. When a white athlete messes up, oh, it's just a simple mistake. They can fix it. It's yeah. very uncharacteristic. Yeah. And also, you know, it's just like when you hear Tiger Woods, you don't think of his golf anymore. His yeah. legacy is now yeah. his, his cheating scandal, yeah. you know. And when with Ben, it's like the first thing is, you know, he won two Super Bowls. Yeah. Like, oh, still, by the way, yeah. he got convicted yeah. of rape twice. That He won two Super Bowls, <laughs> yeah. you know. So that's, or he got, he got, excuse me, I don't want to, yeah. he got oh, accused, accused of rape. Because, you know, if you take convicted and we yeah. don't correct it, so I'm like, oh. But, you know, it's yeah, worth knowing. Yeah. I think it has to do with his acquittal, partially at least, uh, minusculely, I should say. But to go back to your point, I think it goes back to our previous discussion about these pervasive stereotypes. Since slavery days, black people have been hypersexualized. You know, they used to, um, uh, you know, uh, let's protect the white woman from the, you know, hypersexual male, black male brute who's going to try and rape her. That was the basis for many of the lynchings that went on in the country. And then back in those times, they used to um, kind of condone white men raping black women because they were seen as these hypersexual beings who always wanted sex or whatever. They wanted to be raped and stuff like that. So these stereotypes have uh, have endured the time. So I think it comes down to that, the, the fact that he's being a sex addict while this is uncharacteristic of Ben uh, Roethlisberger. Oh, I got you. (laughs) Thank you. you. (laughs) Um, And also it comes down to, you know, the, the 
society of the world, not just America, you know, white people, they're individuals. Black people, we represent our entire race. The billion plus black people in the world, that's who I represent, that's who you represent, that's who Imani represents, that's who we represent. So we always have to be on our best behavior, but white people, they get the benefit of the doubt due to white privilege where they can mess up and it's just like, oh, that's just Becca. That's just Tommy. But black person, oh, that's black people. You know, they always gonna mess yeah. up. They get to be individuals. We don't get that advantage or privilege, unfortunately. Um, you just made me think of something. Have y'all, it came out recently, there was like a Huffington Post article or something, maybe BuzzFeed, I can't remember, but it was like 30, the 30 black lost, thir- the 33, that's what it was called. The 33 black law students at like UCLA law school or it was like the 33 of them and they just talked about um, how, you know, like Brandon was saying, they just feel this immense pressure Mm -hmm. that they're all under the microscope, you know, they're all um, have to be better. They always have to be on their best behavior. They always have to be aware of their actions, you know, because there's so few of them. Um, That doesn't relate to sports, but it was interesting. I just wanted to mention it. I get it, but yeah. you know, no, there is immense pressure. Yeah. There's immense pressure, you know, from the media, from your family, believe it or not, um, mm-hmm. from people outside. Uh, there's even pressure from the educated. And and that's the next topic that we're going to talk about right now is, is, uh, is that, you know, black people can't sound educated. There's no such thing as speaking black or speaking uh, or sounding black. It's sounding white. We speak Ebonics and white people speak English from the dictionary. Uh, Brandon wrote, uh, I thought was a good English. column, um, uh, you know, about sounding white. Brandon, you you want to you want to kind of touch up on that a little bit? Yes. Um, I, I wrote a column this week about, um, quote unquote, sounding white. Um, and basically, my whole point was that it's just misconstrued from black people who think they sound white and who kind of immerse themselves in quote-unquote white culture and from white people to mean that they're educated or that they speak English properly or how it's supposed to quote-unquote be spoken. Um, So I just kind of broke that kind of stereotype because that's not, at least not for me and for from the people that I speak to and that I know, that's not what sounding white is about. It has nothing to do with educational attainment or, you know, sound speaking the Queen's English from England. Like, that's not what it is. It just has to do with your vocal tone, the cadence in your voice. Because let's be real, if you listen to someone on the radio and you hear a singer, nine times out of ten you can distinguish, oh, okay, that's a black person singing. Oh, this sounds like a white person. It has nothing to do with, you know, oh, Katy Perry sounds so intelligent in Dark Horses. Oh, Beyonce, oh, she sounds a mess in Drunk in Love. It has nothing to do with diction or syntax or anything like that. It's just oh, this person has this kind of tone of voice, this person has this kind of tone of voice. So I just wanted to um, break the mold of what people think sounding white is, because at least as far as the black community and myself, that's not what it's about. Um, Whenever I was first reading your column, I was like, I do not agree with this. Um, Because I didn't understand the point you were making at Mm -hmm. first, because I kind of sped through it. And the second time, I was like, okay, um, which I just, from, um, let me see how to word this. I, for example, have been told all of my life that I sound white. I'm sure we all you have do. gotten that, you know? And it's, I, it's, I, like, 
I understand what you're saying, and mm-hmm. it's not something that I've thought about because whenever anyone said that to me, it's been in connection with like my vocabulary and how much, like how I speak, like the, I guess colloquial term. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like in my experience, it's been a lot more of my education and like, mm-hmm. well, not my education, but like how I speak, like language-wise. Is that me? Is me sounding white? But like, also my voice. I don't yeah, know. your tone. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't say like you sound white in tone. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Otis sounds black, and he speaks just as eloquently. Exactly. It's weird. No like, if, if the people like... listening didn't know we were all black, they'd be like, "Who's that white girl?" You know? Yeah. It's weird. I don't know how that. I I grew up. I you know I'm very suburban. I. Lived in Sweden, like, first through oh. third grade, you know. I grew up in McKinney, which is 100% suburban. It's like an hour from Dallas. That's not relevant. But, you know, like, I'm Shout very, out to McKinney. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Number two fastest growing city in the nation. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm very suburban. I don't know. It's I understand what you're saying, but also I've gotten the, the flip side of it. Mm. You know what I mean? But from who? From white people. You know what? From black people in McKinney. You know, crazy. Brandon makes a very good point. Yeah, I've grown up and you know, grown up in, in a white neighborhood because you have black guys that you know sound a certain way. Mm-hmm. I agree with Brandon to an extent. I do mm-hmm. think that your sound does mm-hmm. does play a factor in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think when you it, it's comparative though. And they compare it to maybe a black kid who's on the basketball team who's like, you know, speaking a certain way mm-hmm. with their vocabulary. Yeah. Because, like, myself, I, I have, like, a deep voice, but because I sound eloquent or I, I can pronounce words, you know, well, people will always say, Otis, you sound white. Because generally white people do speak more with eloquently. More, yeah, articulate. They do articulate their words better. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's because... I think that's because black people, I think there's a rhythm, the way we talk, mm-hmm. we can get loud. I think we speak, we speak a little faster. Mm-hmm. I think we yeah, do try definitely. to, you know, I think there's, there are some things culturally that's just different with mm-hmm. black people. But I do think that sounding white is not just the tone. It has to do with vocabulary because I'm telling you right now, growing up when I was with some of my friends, uh, and it, you know what? To be honest with you, it wasn't ever my black friends that were ever like, "Oh, does you sound white?" or this or whatever, because they loved the fact that I could. We used to call it speaking white. Yeah. You know, speak white. So they loved it because it was a way that, oh, Otis can connect us with the white boys, you know, <laughs> or Otis can connect us with the white girls. Like, that's how it was, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it was fun. But it's usually white people that will used to say, man, you sound, you know, Otis, you're white. It's like, I don't know, because I put my pants at my waist, <laughs> so that makes me white, or because I can articulate a word that makes me white, or because I know what two plus two is and I'm in the same classes as you are, that means I'm, you know, it's, it's, there's more to it than just the vocab and the tone, mm-hmm. but I do definitely think that the vocabulary and the things that you do to present yourself have more to do with it than the actual tone of your voice. That's why I just see the difference between us two. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I agree with what you're saying. Um, it's, you know, it's the language. Like, I... Um, the guy that I used to date was white, and he would always be like, "Holler!" <laughs> he'd always be like, um, "Oh, he'd always say, I can, I can tell when you just, 
you know, finish hanging out with your family. Yeah. And I was just like, Don't what? And he was like, because, <laughs> not, not in a rude way, right? Because I was friends. I was like, excuse me? But he was like, you have different phrases and, you know, things yeah. you say. And I was like, that's understandable. I My grandmother lives with us. You know old black women have a language. It's yeah. not, there's some sayings that you're just like, what does that yeah. mean? But, you know, and like, <laughs> all of my, I don't know. I, I feel like. In my personal life, it's been the reverse for me than your situ- situation. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of, I got super bullied by the black people at school because I sounded white. And I was a very introverted kid, so I was always in the library, which is where my vocabulary comes from. I love books. I love to read. That expands your vocabulary. It's just mm-hmm. what happens. But, you know, I was always in the library, and, like, <sighs> black girls would come in and be like, your outfit is stupid and you sound white. I'm just like, thank you. (laughs) Gonna get back to my book now. But, you know, it was a lot of that. And so. Here I thought we've come a long way. Yeah. Uh, To be fair, it was like a while ago. But, you know. It it wasn't that long ago. But, you know. Um, And on the flip side of that, you know, most of my friends are white. I have like a few black friends, you know. And it's just like sometimes I'll say something and they're like, what? Like, my friend got a new car last month, and I was like, oh, you got a new whip. And he was like, what? And I was like, a a whip? I was watching TV with one of my friends. I was like, oh, cut it up. And then she was just like, what? I was like, cut it up. Like, I was like, cut it up. And then she's like, what? Like, turn up the volume, Yeah. It's just, it's interesting. And so a lot of my, you know, the vocabulary, the, I don't know what it's called. I guess, like, the lingo, you know, it's a lot mm-hmm. whiter. Uh, I don't, yeah. you know, like, what does that mean? Yeah, that's, because I touched on that, too. Like, I spoke about code switching, mm, which you yeah. kind of alluded yeah. to. Exactly. Like, when I'm around my family or black friends, you know, I do speak a certain way, mm. use certain words. Um, and the same when I'm around, you know, other gay people and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I speak a certain way and use certain phrases. But I just want to distinguish between code switching and, quote, unquote, sounding white. Yeah. And I wanted to... I did tackle the fact that, you know, sounding white, white is always equated to something positive, and then black is always equating to something negative, because mm-hmm. when you say sounding black, it's supposed to mean, you know, you sound uneducated, you mm-hmm. sound lazy, you sound, you know, like like you're, you're mushing your words or something like that, and at least, I know that y'all spoke about your experiences, mm-hmm. but no one ever called me speaking white, maybe <laughs> it's just because the way I carried myself, mm-hmm. I was never the... You know, no one can tell me anything about me, honey. <laughs> but <laughs> um, like I like, and I think I speak perfectly fine. Great diction, great syntax. I use proper sentence structure and stuff like that. But no one ever said that I talked white because of that. No. Mm-hmm. And then I said in the column, like I've known people. I'm just like, oh, you talk white because they sound. And f- from other people that I talk to, like, oh, you sound white because of the voice. But they, you know, they like I said, they talk like a six year old, or they maybe not the smartest person in the world but you sound white to me because mm-hmm. if I was on the phone with you I'd be like, oh I'm talking to a white person mm-hmm. it's not necessarily at least for me and from the people that I've talked to mm-hmm. has to do with you know oh your vocabulary is so vast your sentence structure is superb like it's nothing <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with that at least for me yeah I don't know I want it's interesting because you mm-hmm. know I've had experiences where 
um, I've like talked on the phone with someone before I met them in person, and they were kind of like, "Oh," and I was like, "Yes, hello, here I am, this I brown girl I get, with um, the weird voice." People you think know? I'm my mother or something. Yeah. Like, hello, ma'am. I'm like, no. No. <laughs> this is, this <laughs> so level. let me. Oh. oh no, go ahead. Let me ask you guys this: Have you ever had white friends who talk more black to you? Because that happens to me sometimes. Yeah, you're always gonna have that. Yeah, and I just you're think it's really interesting because. Um, uh, I have a friend that I met this year in a class, um, and she was white. And, you know, that's not like a thing, but um, it just, I've been noticing the past couple of weeks, like, she kind of says stuff to me that was d- different, like, than how she was what when we met, met you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't know. I'm yeah, always kind people, of hyper aware. Get too comfortable. Yeah. Like, too comfortable. <laughs> 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 Both people get too comfortable. It's very comfortable. Uh, Got to check them sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, I, I think they think that they're trying to fit in. It's uh-huh. like you know, like, I'm a normal human being too. It's interesting. Yeah. It is very interesting. Yeah. It, you know, it's a great debate. It's a great debate that we're always going to have. You know, what does it mean to really sound white? Mm-hmm. Um, what does it really mean to sound black? You know, and, and things that go into that. Yeah. And why does it have to be? At least as what y'all alluded to having a vast vocabulary is sounding mm-hmm. white. Why, yeah. why is that something that's suppo- supposedly, at least, they're alluding to exclusive to white people? Yeah. I don't get that. It, it, it's it's a debate. Or it's even, debate. like, behavior-wise, like, what is that? What is I know, I, acting black, yeah, acting what white. Yeah, ac- people, I've had, like, um, my brother is, he acts more black than, I don't know what that means, but, you know, he'll be like, he lives in California, so every time he comes home, he's like, College changed you. You're such a white girl. I'm like, excuse me? Like, what does that mean? You know, and, 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 and the other thing, too, is that to remember this before we wrap this up is that it's to each his own as well. Uh-huh. I think a lot of people have their own way of doing certain things, and it's just, yeah. you know, you'll, you'll just never understand it. Um, mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be discounted. It really, Yeah, it shouldn't. Um, you know, and, and a lot of these topics that we talk about, there's always debate for it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just the black perspective. Yeah. You know, and so it's not like we're not taking account to what white people think, Hispanics, mm-hmm. gays, straight, doesn't matter who you are. Everyone has an opinion. Mm-hmm. There's no wrong opinion in my eye. Now, there are there some loony opinions? <laughs> yeah, but there's no wrong. And it's fun for debate, and I'm glad that we were able to talk about sound, sounding white. Um, glad we were able to talk about the media and black athletes and how they're represented and stuff like that. Next week's fun, Next week's show actually should be – Really, Very really good. fun. Yeah. We're not going to tell you what we're talking about next week. <laughs> but you got to listen to next week's yeah. podcast to, to, uh, to, to hear about what we got going on. But for Brandon Sams, for Imani McGarrell, I am Otis Avogaro, and this has been another episode of A Community of Culture, The Black Perspective.